to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. Today's podcast is about a lot of things, but one is about how small the world is. And that means that I was in Delta Gamma at Northwestern University, and we had a CDC, um, kind of a chapter consultant, come to our chapter for a week, help us out, look at our problems, help us solve problems, eat popcorn with us on the couch. That CDC went on to be co-founder of a company. That company emailed me about coming on this podcast and the CDC and I are reunited. And that person is Talia. And she and Kate are here today to talk about their company, Mavenly & Co., which is dedicated to supporting young professional women in designing a career and lifestyle with purpose through online resources, in-person workshops, consulting, and corporate trainings. Kate and Talia both left their full-time jobs to pursue Mavenly & Co. full-time, and they're going to talk to us about how to start a business for real, like where you get the money, and the career advice that they think all young women should know. So welcome, Talia, my old CDC. Thank you. Such a small world. Oh, my goodness. And welcome, Kate. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, Talia, we go way back. So So far back. What does CDC stand for again? Collegiate Development Consultant. Collegiate Development Consultant. Okay, so Talia came to... Northwestern University in 2013. Yeah. In 2013, I picked her up from the airport. (laughs) I borrowed my friend Julia's car. I didn't know how to get to the airport. I had to miss a football game. I was all salty about it. Yes, you were wearing the purple socks. I was super salty about missing the football game, even though when have I ever watched football in my life? I think I was just like, you you always want what you can't have. And two years later, three years later, here we are in a studio. And then Kate is my new friend. Yes, we're new friends. We (laughs) ate peanut butter cups together. There Talked you about eye surgery. There you so go. Those are big friends. <laughs> um, so Mavenly & Co. is awesome. And it's such a great place. And you guys talk about it a lot that there's there weren't many comprehensive resources for young women looking to, you know, enter the professional workplace with confidence, kind of create that professional lifestyle and brand. And so you guys basically created it yourself. And I know that, Kate, this was sort of originally your concept. So why don't you tell us where Mavenly and Co. came from? Yeah, absolutely. And what's funny about how you two met is that's a big influence as to why Mavenly is what it is today. Mm -hmm. So I also was a consultant the year before Talia. And so I spent a lot of time with women at their senior year of college all over the country, Harvard University, UCLA, Texas Tech. And I saw this theme of women not really knowing what they wanted to do and not having the resources to find out what they wanted to do. And it really stuck with me. And so originally, I just started blogging about this, asking people questions, doing career profiles. And because of the response that we got in the audience members telling us what they needed, that's how we've kind of developed Mavenly into what it is today. But it really started with this very noticeable void in the space of here are these women incredibly educated, spending a lot of money on their education and realizing I don't have the resources to find a job that I really like or a job that I actually want to do. And when did you decide that this was going to be a business and not just a blog? Because I do think that there's like a distinction between I think I'm interested in this, so I'm going to become, you know, a food blogger, a home blogger, whatever, versus taking the leap and being courageous enough to think this idea is good enough to create 
a business out of? Yeah, the honest answer is it wasn't good enough to create a business out of at first. It really was just a blog and a resource and something I was doing because I was used to working crazy hours. Talia can attest when you're a consultant like that, you're spending all of your hours doing something you love with women that you really admire. And so when I went to have an eight to five or sometimes eight to six, okay, well, at six, what do I do? I'm in a new city with new people. So I started blogging and the answer is there was no shot in hell. I'm sorry, can I curse on this podcast? Yes. There's no shot in hell that this was going to be a business. Like, there's no way. I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. But the responses I was getting from women were so powerful and women really wanting these resources, wanting to see them play out in real life. And so there were requests for these workshops that we do now. But I didn't ever think that was going to be a reality. But once we started thinking about the needs of our audience and really doing right by them and making sure we gave them the resources they needed, then it became the only option to start a company because we needed the time to really flesh out the curriculum in the way that we wanted. And so we started working with a couple of different women to build the curriculum we have today and then realizing what it would take to actually disseminate this information in a real way to women all across the country. That was a full-time job. So blogging, I still believe, I'm sorry to any bloggers out there, I still don't believe it's a full-time job. I'm always in awe of bloggers that I meet that make it a full-time job. I don't know that I ever could have done that knowing the way that they live their lives. Mm-hmm. And when you, so you started Maybelline Co. in? Um, yeah, so we started it, um, you know, mid-2015 as a blog. And then I think probably about a year and a half in is when we started making money on just like a very base level. And then and then now it's, it's our full-time thing. But it took a while for us to make money. Whenever people tell me about their fantasy of starting a blog and quitting their jobs, I am always quick to ask them how they plan on doing that. Because yeah. it's... A scary task. Well, so if, if Maven Leanco was originally your brainchild, Talia, Kate was telling me that you kind of bought in. And what did that look like? Why did you want to be part of this? Tell me about where you came in. Yeah. So Kate and I, as you know, met traveling for Delta Gamma separate years, but met on the road. I was in Dallas mm-hmm. and she was working and I was starting to look at grad schools. And I ended up starting grad school after my year of travel, studying positive organizational psychology. And then Kate and I retouched base once she knew what I was studying because a lot of what I was learning in school was very much relatable and connected to the audience that she was speaking to on the blog as far as finding work that's fulfilling and finding work that's engaging um, and just living a life that is meaningful. So initially I started writing for the blog and then one thing led to the next and, you know, the audience was asking for one thing and then the podcast came and then the curriculum came. And um, and I think, like she said, there was almost no other option. Like grad school was done. She was at the end of the road with her job and leaping into it and doing it as a business seemed like obvious almost. <laughs> there was no uh, there was no talk about doing anything else. And she believed so much in the mission of it. And I believed so much in it and had connected with the women who were either reading the blog or had come to a few of our kind of mock very mock, very yeah, very mock basic like trial and error um, workshops, and just seeing how much what we were talking about was needed and how much it connected to where they were in their lives. Again, like there was no other road to go down. It was very clear that this is what we had to put our all into for at least a year and see who it stuck with and um, where it would go for both of us. So what does it look like, the conversation that you have with your parents or your friends or whatever, when you say, I'm going to stop doing the full-time job or, like, I just spent all this money on grad school and now I'm going to 
work full time for this company that's like not really fair to say that it's not really making like a ton of money yet. Yeah, like, not what a is company that, yet. like, yeah. what does that conversation look like? How it, because you're saying that's the obvious path, and I'm thinking in my head, uh, that <laughs> would not be obvious to me. <laughs> and my parents would agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> it was not the obvious path. Um, yeah, try telling two physician parents who paid for you to go to college that you want to quit your job at a fancy PR agency and start your own thing that doesn't really exist. It's not a fun conversation. Um, but I think that's what makes a part of what makes our business successful is that the answer no is not a deterrent. It's almost like a challenge. And so for people around me to not believe in what I believed in was not necessarily a deterrent. It was, well, the people who need this are telling me that they need it. So I'm getting that validation from the people who are actually going to pay for this service. And so it's OK that my you know doctor parents aren't on board with it because Eventually, we'll get to a point where we prove ourselves. And so it wasn't until we were written up in Forbes that my dad was like, oh, you have a business. You know, it's like, yes, two and a half years later when we're in <laughs> Forbes, then it's a business. But I, it's, I think, a, a very different experience than, than Talia's with her parents. Yeah, I think. And I'm, you know, very grateful in that my parents have always supported me in whatever I wanted to do. And they had met Kate and like knew her passion for Maven Lee and I think the way we talked about it, too, is that like it was already real. There was no jumping into the unknown. It was we had such confidence that what we were doing was needed. And those testimonials and the um, just the connection that we had felt from the women we were already working with. I think my parents saw that and they saw how much it meant to me. And I had studied meaning in work for mm -hmm. two years that they knew how much this was right for me. And I think to be completely honest, the risk jumping into it wasn't very high for me. I think having a family who supports you in business is, is, is wonderful. And I know not everybody has that, but to have that and to be supported in that and for my, you know, my dad and my mom to be my biggest champions in it made those fears kind of go away. And it was an all or nothing thing for me in the time there would have been no better time than right after school when the knowledge was fresh and I was ready to do something with everything I had learned. Um, yeah, and Kate's definitely sounds scarier, like leaving the yeah, full-time job with sure. like the paychecks and the yeah. nice cushioned insurance and like vacation days and things like that. That definitely, Talia, it feels like you got off easy. I, <laughs> I got off easy, but I mean, I think. No, I'm kidding. The risk, the, <laughs> the, I think the challenge then comes with seeing all your friends graduate and get high paying jobs and go down a route that is secure and safe and stable. You're talking to a journalist, so I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there are like hands down there are trade offs but if what you're doing means enough i think you at least have to give it a shot for a little bit knowing again that like i had the support and the and the comfort there to be able to do that um, but of course there are always you know trade-offs absolutely so let's talk honestly about the money and what it takes to get a company to make money where your money came from originally i know kate was telling me that in your first year you made negative 14 dollars <laughs> yep so I'll show you the bank statement. Talk to me about that and and what it really takes to like fund a company and and you know if it wasn't really making money in its in its first year were you guys making money like what do you do for health insurance like things like that. Great question and this is the question honestly I wish we were asked more often because I think as as I was telling you earlier women see us succeed online and it either encourages them in the wrong way or discourages them in the wrong way. So if they're encouraged by it, they maybe quit their job immediately and then they end up, you know, 
eating ramen and, and driving Uber if they can't figure something out or they see what we did and then they take the first step and it doesn't paint out and they say, OK, well, then I'm not able to do it. Mm-hmm. When the truth of the matter is, you know, I was working full time for a year while Maven Lee was starting. So I had health benefits. I had vacation days. I had a salary, which was really nice. So that paid all the bills and paid for Maven Lee in the very beginning. So businesses cost money. You probably aren't going to make a ton of money in your first year, if any money. We didn't make any money. We put all of our money into it. And I had the luxury of feeling comfort and not having to feel anxiety of doing that full time. But that meant a totally different schedule than most people are used to. So for instance, I would wake up at 4 a.m., start writing blog posts, and then I would go to work at 9 a.m., lunch break, blog posts, answer emails, do whatever I needed to do to get sponsors, advertisers. And then after work, same thing. I skipped bachelorettes. I skipped weekends with people going places. I you know, didn't eat out a lot a ton that year, all in an effort to save enough money for the jump. Once we knew this was going to be real, immediately my mindset went to how can I cut back? Can I start living with roommates? Can I, you know, do whatever I can do to save money at that point? Because it's true. It's not a lucrative business to jump into a glorified blog at first. It's Mm -hmm. just not something that you're going to make a ton of money doing. So I needed enough money to jump whenever Talia was ready to graduate school. And so I had, I think, $21,000 saved up whenever I made that jump. And all of that was either going to Mavenly or rent or, you know, wedding gifts because my friends are getting married and that's something that's still expected of you. You know, the rest of your life doesn't stop when you start a business. And so Mm -hmm. thinking about the amount of money that was going to make me comfortable to jump and it was higher than most. I've heard most people will quit at like five or seven thousand dollars. What? Yeah. Which is like, (laughs) actually, we just did a podcast with the intern queen and she was like, yeah, I just quit with five thousand dollars in my pocket. I'm like, you live in L.A. Like that's one month of rent sometimes, you know, it's crazy. But yeah, 21 was enough for me also knowing that if I need to do freelance work, I can do freelance work. If I need to work with other PR companies while I'm doing this, I'm comfortable doing the half and half. But it got to a point where Talia had finished school and I felt like that was the appropriate jumping point. But we weren't making money that we could put in our own pockets Mm -hmm. for sure. And what was that? What was your experience like with that, Talia, like coming out of school and and being like, loads? all right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Being like loads. Right. Um, Yeah. So I I mean, I worked in and out of school, but I hadn't saved up the way Kate had. And I think, again, a lot of this goes just being supported by my parents um, in the initial stages and making the sacrifices with not living outside of the house and living at home as a 25 year old and being okay with that because there is a, you know, bigger thing I'm working towards. So um, I think differences with the both of us financially, but again, the trade-offs of it. And But that's great. Like, absolutely. I think more people need to be saying that, no, I didn't live in a loft in New York and start my business no. off of like $3,000. Like I had to save mm-hmm. and work for a year. I had to live at home. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't hear that as much. You hear about the five years into it and the success and the viral tweets and whatever, but you don't hear about the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I really wanted to talk about. But what was your first break for you? Like, when did you really start making money? When, what was your first Mavenly paycheck like? Well, that's what's so funny is, so we have paid workshops, right? So that's kind of our business model at the time. And it, so explain a little bit about, give us like a two sentences on those. Yeah, absolutely. So we currently host one to three day workshops where we go all day and we kind of dip into your personal career path. We start with a lot of self-discovery and then how we can use what we've discovered to 
work into the areas of negotiation or finding a job that's right for you. So it's basically a full day of crafting your own career path and building your personal brand so that you can confidently enter the workplace. So we have women in there everywhere from just graduating college to, you know, 37 years old working on that path because ultimately it's a mindset. It's not a stage of life. There are women who get into jobs and then they're 33 and realize they want to change. And so those are our workshops right now. And so that price has fluctuated everywhere from $180 to now $65, depending on how long the event is. But that was our main source of revenue, our main source of income. Plus, we had some sponsorships, which, to be completely honest, weren't a lot because, as we were talking earlier, we don't like ads on our website. We don't Mm -hmm. like all like the visual stimulus that's distracting. And so we weren't willing to compromise the look and feel of our website for that. And so, to be honest, like, paydays aren't huge in Maven. Like, they're not. I mean, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. For anyone who's looking to get into a business like the one we're in and have a lot of integrity in staying true to their North Star for their business, you're not going to have a huge paycheck right off the bat. And if you are, then I would love to hear from you and, and, and tell me how you did it. Because everyone I know that's starting a business that's in the same um, vein or mission as ours, we have conversations privately about, yeah, I'm Airbnb being my apartment and staying with my boyfriend because that's where I am in my business right now. It takes a lot of sacrifice that people aren't willing to talk about. But everyone I know in the space who's starting a business like this has some compromise like that that they make that they don't post on social media. Absolutely. And you guys work really well together, which is the other benefit. Mm-hmm. It's like, you guys are driving really well right now. Like, you guys just get along so well. What was it like? I know in the beginning it was inevitable that Talia would join Kate and Kate loved Talia and Talia and Kate are <laughs> best friends, whatever. But what's it like working with your with a good friend of yours? What has it been like running a business together? I think what's interesting is that we have such a similar background as far as our time in Delta Gamma and our year traveling. So I think for both of us, the why behind what we're doing is so strong and so much on the same wavelength. Um, And I think we both, given the work that we do and given this whole idea of self-discovery and self-awareness, we know our lanes. We stay in our lanes. We know our strengths. We know our weaknesses. We're very open about them. Um, And I think that's very important in any kind of partnership, romantic, work, friendship, whatever it is. Like you have to you have to know yourself. Um, You have to know your boundaries and you have to be able to clearly communicate what you want, what I'm you I'm starting need. to hear like the two different sides of it. We got Kate with like the books and the whatever. And then we got Talia's <laughs> psychology background coming in with like know yourself and know your strengths. I'm starting to see how this maybe works. Well, yeah. yeah and that's exactly why it works. I think we both bring something very different to the table. Um, but then like in that Venn diagram, there's also a really strong overlap that makes this work really nicely. So have there been people that you've worked with, maybe Kate, people that came to you before Talia came to you that didn't work? And and if so, why didn't it work? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I was thinking about a co-founder joining the team, I had a laundry list of things that I wanted that person to be and to do. And ultimately, I didn't think a lot on the front end about the feeling that I needed to have when I was working with that person. So there were other people that came to the table that maybe had some of those qualifications, but I just saw little red flags pop up. Like they get really irritated when I email them at this time, or, you know, they're not willing to go the extra mile and drive halfway across town to get extra flowers for this event, or they don't understand the subject matter in a way that's meaningful for our audience, or people leave interacting with them and say, you know, that was fine. Like I have a good impression of Maven Lee, but 
you know, whatever, kind of so-so. And Talia had all of those things plus the piece of the business that was aspirational for me at the time. So Mm -hmm. the idea of career coaching, consulting, and this curriculum, I didn't have the background in that. I didn't have any, you know, organizational positive psychology background. I didn't understand the psychology behind it. And so I needed someone who was really proficient in that. But then also someone who, when our business said jump, would say how high and that's Talia. Like, without a doubt, whatever we do, if it's, you know, now jet setting across the country for a month and not being able to go home after she comes back from Israel because we have an event to go to, she's not a person to find excuses. She's a person to find solutions. And when you're starting out a business, you need solutions. Um, and so it was the feeling I got from interacting with her. She was never annoyed by what was asked of her, always brought great things to the table, but also was willing to push back whenever she saw things weren't going towards our North Star in a way that was helpful and not critical. So all of those things. All right. Let's talk about pushback a little, (laughs) which is, you know, every business has its struggles. Every business hits a roadblock. What were the big roadblocks you guys have hit that, you know, in an easier world, you could have just said, "Eh, let's throw on the towel and I'm going to go back to my job. Do you guys have different roadblocks? That would be fun. Yeah, I'm sure we have some different ones. (laughs) Um, The first one that comes to mind, which might be surprising, that was that we initially, when we had developed this curriculum, we had intended it to be for high school seniors. And and just let's clarify, just because not maybe not everyone knows maybe the, the curriculum for... Curriculum for our workshops. Okay. And kind of just like the foundation for Mavenly. Okay, great. Um, as far as career paths and, and mm-hmm. making sure you have the self-awareness to forge a path with purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, Ugh. Such a, such an inspirational. Right? I know she and I was saying earlier. Forge she's like a our, path with purpose. That's the title of your memoir. <laughs> yeah, our resident go. Buddha. Yeah, yeah, she is. Um, we had intended it to to be for high school seniors and seniors in college. So as you were about to transition into college or transition into your first job, and what we I think failed to recognize in those moments was that. The audience we had built with our brand for a year and a half to two years was the audience we're now speaking to, which is late 20s, early 30s. You've been in your job for a few years. So we had built this curriculum and you know developed this product essentially for an audience that we had not yet built, mm-hmm. um, ignoring the, the one we had spent so much time speaking to and getting to know for so long. So I think what we offered and what we put together has not changed, but who we're offering it too has just become who we've always been speaking to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in that sense, when I look back at like a year ago, traveling to all these high schools in Atlanta and meeting with guidance counselors and high school moms and thinking about where we are now, it hasn't even been that long. But it makes sense that like, no, that was for sure the wrong turn to take. <laughs> if you just like look at what you objectively look at what you've been building for a while, like all the answers are there. But sometimes you just get so excited and caught up and like, well, they need it, too. And they need it, too. And it can be great for everybody. But sure. if it's working for everybody, then it's not working as well as it could for any one group of, of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that in my mind is the first kind of thing we had to push, get pushed back on and, and recognize as a slight detour. Absolutely. Yeah, it's totally fair. Absolutely. And I think that there were a lot of things like that where we were so eager to be helpful that we weren't being business savvy. And so there were, gosh, probably like dozens of examples of that where we committed to projects and then said, oh, we're outside of our lane. We need to stay in our lane. And that's really hard. I think other obstacles were, you know, once Talia came on board, we wanted to work together as often as possible. And so I, you know, obviously started spending a lot of time in Atlanta and 
navigating my life as we were, you know, starting this business. And then along with all of the responsibilities I had to like my boyfriend at the time and my family, I think so many people don't think about the emotional toll that starting a business takes on you. And so I think for me, a lot of the obstacles were how do I try and please everyone if I can and realize that I've sold a part of my company to this person who now I'm indebted to for that reason and love this relationship, love this partnership. How do I do right by her, do right by my boyfriend, do right by my family, do right by the women that are following us and then my friends. And so I think that was something at first that was a huge roadblock for me emotionally that I didn't expect. I kind of expected the financial roadblocks or expected the, mm-hmm. you know, spending a lot of money on a videographer and then things not working out. I think I was I braced myself for that. Like, mm-hmm. just pretend it's going to be the worst thing ever. And then if you actually get a video out of this, then that's great. But I wasn't expecting because I'm not the more emotionally aware person in this relationship. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And so thankfully, Talia is a career coach. And so she was coaching me even on how do you navigate this world that, you know, is seemingly so fancy on Instagram, but is really isolating and, and alone and, and vulnerable when you're first starting out, realizing that none of my friends are doing this. My family's not doing this. My boyfriend's not doing this. So to bring the problems I have every day to them, knowing they won't understand, it built up emotionally in me. And that was a huge roadblock where I said, is this even worth it? And, and the answer was always yes. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good to hear. And that's why we're here. So let's pivot for a second, because now that we know how to build an amazing business like Mavenly, (laughs) for the most part, um, I want to just take our listeners through a little bit of what you guys do, like the the actual what you guys do. So if I were to sign up for, I don't know, a Mavenly session... And I said, help me. I don't know what I'm doing. I like to think of our generation as like the oh shit generation. <laughs> we're like we Freak graduate out. and we're like, oh shit, now what? And then like yeah. rent, the rent check comes and you're like, oh shit, I have to pay my rent. And like yeah. your stuff, fridge, fridge and the food goes bad. And you're like, shit, I never ate that. <laughs> like I just think of us as the oh shit generation. Yeah. Sorry, guys. No, that's completely. <laughs> but you guys are laughing. So we know it's true. <laughs> no, it is. It's the, it's the re, being reactive versus proactive. Yeah. yeah. So as an as a key member of the oh shit generation if i came to you what's the process for someone who wants your help yeah so i think it looks differently based off of what you're coming for so we have the workshops which is one to three days as kate mentioned and then you work with one person for one to three days or you do these with companies no so the workshops we're talking about right now are for about 20 to 30 women who are all in that oh shit moment of life okay who come together to work through their shit together okay cool (laughs) and we kind of guide them through the curriculum the self-awareness all of that the other program that's a little bit more individualized for the one-on-one attention is the six weeks we do of coaching Mm -hmm. which looks very different for anyone who comes because everyone's needs are different everyone comes thinking that they want one thing but end up realizing that it's not just work it's also life and relationships and uh, but I think what we see mostly is that everyone is looking for guidance and clarity Mm -hmm. generally speaking so you would come to us looking for Guidance and clarity. Clearly. And <laughs> as much as you can give. As much right. as we yeah, can exactly. give. It's a big promise. A big right. promise. Um, but we would really start with you and ask you what that even means. Like, what does it mean to be clear and feel guided? In six weeks, what do you hope to get out of this coaching engagement? How will your life look differently, feel differently? What will you have accomplished? So you set those goals yourself. And then each week we will go through a lot of different activities. It's very collaborative. It's a lot of asking you some tough questions, a lot of helping you trust yourself in knowing that 
there are a lot of talents you already naturally have, and it's just figuring out what those are and how to place them and kind of optimize them to your advantage. Uh, for some people, that means changing industries. For others, it means moving their desk in their office so they can face who they like to face at the mm-hmm. office. So it's a lot of like, okay, what doesn't feel right? Why doesn't it feel right? How much control do you have over it? Let's make some changes. Mm-hmm. So it's figuring out what the strengths are, figuring out what your values are, what's important to you. And then really it comes down to making decisions, right? So instead of coming to the oh shit moments, that's telling me that you've not thought enough ahead. I know. I have the reminder in my phone to pay rent and still at the first of every month, right? Gets me. Gets you every time. But um, a lot of that, again, is just figuring out how to make those decisions feel a little bit truer to who you are, not necessarily easier, but at least you know that you're making the decision for yourself, not because it looks cool or your parents are expecting it of you or it's the thing you always thought you were going to do and suddenly it doesn't feel right anymore. So like, shit, what do I do now? Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of those like narratives and internal that internal dialogue a lot of us have, it's just working with somebody to get them out of your own head down on paper and then putting an action step to it. And after Talia Buddhas them into a place of guidance and clarity. Where do you come in, Kate? Yeah, absolutely. So it's that action piece, right? So Talia is the expert in helping answer those why questions, those big questions of why am I not happy at work? Why am I not happy in my life? Why do I not feel productive, clear, whatever that is? And then once we've kind of got some idea of why that is, then it's putting pen to paper. And so we do a lot of productivity hacks that are specific to you, a lot of negotiation tactics that are specific to you, branding that's specific to you. How can we we make this real. The one reason that I was hesitant at first to start this business is because I had gone to a lot of great workshops, conferences, expos, and walked away feeling great, but having no action items. So you walk away, you had this inspirational talk and you said, wow, I feel amazing. Uh-huh. And then you leave and you're like, oh, a week later, I've forgotten everything and I'm still not paying rent and I still have the lean <laughs> cuisine that's gone bad. So it Does is- lean cuisine go bad? That's such that's bad news question. to me. <laughs> Guys, I assume if it's in the freezer- Google. I assume if something's in the freezer, it never It'll goes bad. Fine. That's kind of my... 15 years later, eat that lingo. Yeah, I think the freezer's a time capsule, yeah. but continue. <laughs> so let, maybe, maybe the, the kale smoothie has gone bad. Sure. That's a better... That's Because you aspirationally were going to eat healthy, and then it's bad, and so you've just Throw screwed away. yourself right. out of everything. Um, but essentially, we work with them to make sure that they have something actionable they can do within 24 hours. So if you're leaving a coaching session with us... There's something within 24 hours you're going to do to improve your situation. So that is our ultimate goal. But the reason I believe that the quarter life crisis or this panic even sets in is because right after college and in your first job, it's the first time that you're not on a track that's preset for you. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like you've had preschool, elementary school, high school, college, everyone, you've had to make decisions, but you pretty much understand what success looks like and what it doesn't look like. We have A's, we have F's, we have Ivy League schools, and we have other schools. We know what is right and what is wrong. When you enter your first job, you leave when you say you leave or you get fired. So this idea of what's best for me, what's right, am I doing a good job is very hard to gauge when you're 25 and your identifiers are gone. So you're no longer president of your sorority. You're no longer a member of this university. You may be unemployed. Maybe that's your identifier or you work at this company you don't like or you work at a company you do like. But is this where I'm supposed to be? Those questions are really hard and we have not been equipped with the tools to answer those questions for ourselves in a way that says, 
you know what? This is an A. This is a metaphorical A in my book, or this is a metaphorical F in my book. Mm -hmm. So that's what people come to us for. Answer those questions of, am I even going in the right direction? What is next? Because it's really, as Talia says so often, I don't know why I'm saying this all back to her. She taught me all of this. (laughs) Um, But it's this paradox of choice. You look on Instagram and all of your friends are, you know, working for the Knicks and, you know, the NBA, or they have this great job doing media for this person. And the real question I want to ask is, is that my success narrative? And if not, then then what do I need to do every day to be happy and feel the feelings I want to feel about what I'm doing? And even with all the college tuition you pay, you're not able to answer those questions. It's so true. And I I love that. And I do think that I hope that people who are listening will reach out to you guys and, and learn more about what, what you're all about. So let's take them through how they can reach you. So first of all, your podcast is called Women, Work, and Worth. And it can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. And then how can they reach you <laughs> elsewhere on the Internet? Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mavenly Co. You can find us at Mavenly.co. Do I know? It's Mavenly.co, we... I think. <laughs> yeah. Do I own a business? This is a question we're all asking ourselves right now. And my email is Kate at Mavenly.co. And then Talia is Talia at Mavenly.co with two L's. Well, I hope that people are feeling inspired to either start their own businesses, find their happiness, make their situations work for them. And thank you so much, Kate and Talia, for joining me. Talia, it was so good to see I you again. Know, it was good to see you um, too. And I just really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so Sam. much, Sam. This was great. Yay. We did it. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our producer, Jordan Bell. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to review and subscribe in iTunes. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time. Bye.